Whew, I better preach well after that thing, man. That's awesome. Good morning. It's great to see you guys this morning. If you're online, glad you're joining us outside. Hope you're staying warm. I know it's getting warmer out there. And uh, just uh, excited. I'm excited. It's Christmas. How many of you guys were able to be here for the lighting last night? Anybody able to make it? Thank you guys for being here. Uh, I would have loved to have been here, but my niece got married, and that was a little bit more important. So it was kind of, it was, it was really cool. It got a great experience there last night. And uh, glad you guys were able to join us. And um, I just, hey, the Christmas season's here. I love Christmas. I've been feeling like super excited about Christmas all year. And so as you guys are joining us, we got a lot of great stuff coming. But uh, we've started this series called The Stars of Christmas. We're looking at these various um, kind of people who in just kind of fill the Christmas story. And last week, Nick brought us in with the idea of the co-stars, uh, you know, Joe and Mary. And Joseph and Mary kind of walked us into this, uh, into this reality of Christmas and, and who they are and what God was doing with them and why in the world were they there. I thought Nick did a great job. Thank you, buddy, for doing that. Um, that wasn't Photoshop, by the way. Uh, that, that, that's how I looked before Thanksgiving, and then I ate. And so, no, just kidding. Um, no, it was great. But before we start today and we dive into the next section, I just want to open with prayer. Would you guys join with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Wow, what an opportunity that we have every week to celebrate that we have met you and that you lead us and that you teach us how to live life well, how to be free in the midst of uh, a world that wants to control us, how we can release the rule of our own lives so we can walk with you. Thank you that we get a chance to celebrate you, the gift to us. And um, as we do this, as we jump into your word, as we're challenged, would you just uh, open our hearts and lead us to you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Every story, as you guys know, has a group of people involved in it. Sometimes you see them, sometimes you don't. But they populate whatever world of the story you're reading, whatever world of the story you're watching, whether they're in movies, books, or something else. There's always this group of people in the background. Typically, we call them in the movies extras. You know, the extras, those people that don't always get credits. Maybe they have a line. Maybe they don't. They're just kind of floating around like the elves and elf, you know, up in the North Pole. Or, or you end up with all these different people. What's funny, though, is that extras sometimes pop out of their position, and they become greater than an extra. Maybe they, they run a line really well or they look a certain way and suddenly they begin to grow in a sense of a legend. And uh, one of the, this is especially true for any of you who are Star Wars fans. Any Star Wars fans in the house? Because you guys know that, hey, the extras are always going to show up in some other way. It started when I was young with Boba Fett and Boba Fett became this giant thing. Now he's getting his own series, all that kind of stuff. He was just a background character. I mean, slightly important to the plot, but really ultimately a background character. And so Star Wars has always all these weird stories, like one of the, the weirdest ones, the strange story of this guy, Quinlan or Kinlan Voss. Now, you'll see here, this is from episode one, whether you like it or not, and, and it's right here. And in the background is this weird guy sitting there with that stripe across his nose. And all these fans notice this guy back there and like, who's that? What's he doing there? What's going on? And they asked all these questions. Lucas goes, okay, sweet. Let's turn him into something. They turn him into Kinlan Voss. And Kinlan Voss becomes this secret like spy Jedi who's floating around. And eventually he, he even gets his own animated character in some of the shows. And he shows up. He's, he gets his own episodes. And I know what it's all about. I know why these extras explode with their legends of, of spy Jedi and stuff like that. It's called toys. You get to sell more, right? 
That, that's the idea. Hey, they figured out if we make these guys into something, we can sell more stuff. We can actually produce little action figures. It's great. And it, it's fun because all great stories wind up with extra legends that are attached. And that's the case with Christmas. Think of all the extras you know about from Christmas. Some of them wind up with huge legends around them. I mean, let me, let me give you an example. There's this one guy that we all know about. One dude who is in every Christmas story you'll ever see, every pageant, every play, every time you go to Christmas, and it's the innkeeper. You know the innkeeper? The jerk who won't let a pregnant lady who's in the middle of labor into his own inn and kick somebody else out so he can, she can give birth. What kind of jerk is this guy? Right? I said, sorry, there's no room. I mean, the innkeeper, in some cases, he'll get a whole backstory, how he's angsting over it. And he's like, okay, I don't know. Go to the barn. Or the barn? You're going to let a woman go give birth in the barn? What kind of person is this? Yet, here's the weird thing. He's a legend. Say what? Yeah, check it out. If you got a Bible... Uh, gra grab your Bible. Open to Luke chapter 2. If you're at home, grab it. Uh, you, this is... You, you got to, when you're at church, you got to have your Bible ready. You got to be ready at home. You got to be ready outside. Take, take out a Bible. If you don't have them, they're available. You can grab them if you want one. Just let somebody know. They'll, they'll grab one for you. Because I want you to see this stuff in the original. I want you to be able to write in your Bible. I want you to take some notes. I want you to be able to reference it next year and go, huh, I forgot about that. And here's the thing. Notice where this innkeeper is supposed to show up. Here, here's the verse. It's chapter two. It's actually verse seven, not verse eight. And it says this, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, talking about Mary, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Did you see him? He was there. We made him up. In fact, it's most likely, notice there's a little, if you have your, the Bibles from the pews, if you have an ESV, there's a little number four next to it, and you read it down to the bottom, and it'll show you number four. Or there was no room in the guest room. This is what's weird. It's not even likely there was an inn in Bethlehem. Remember, they're going to Joseph's ancestral home. That means he's got uncles and aunts and cousins all over the place in Bethlehem. They all know them. They're showing up in town, and it's not jerk innkeeper. It's probably mean old Uncle Uriah who won't let him upstairs in the guest bedroom, and so they go sleep downstairs with the sheep because I don't want that pregnant floozy in the house. And suddenly we have a legend of this innkeeper, this extra, sometimes named, sometimes gets his own show, right? Nope, you're not there. And this is the power of legends. You think you know the Christmas story. You think you get it until you realize, have I read this carefully? Do I know the legend? Or do I know the word of God? I want to introduce you guys to the extras in the scriptures, the extras in the real Christmas story. Because here's the thing. God could have put anybody in this story. God could have selected any group of people and shoved them into the Christmas story. And it would be different for us. But God chose these extras. He chose these characters to be in this story. And I think he's got a reason. And the legends need to be kind of scraped back a little bit so we can get to the core of what in the world was God doing by having these people in the Christmas story. These stars of Christmas are important. So let's take a look at them. If you got your Bible open, let's pick it up. We're going to start here in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to, we're going to just uh, pick up in verse 8. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great 
fear. Now, we start with this first group of extras, namely the shepherds. Now, these shepherds are, are probably these hardworking, they're these hardworking guys living out in Bethlehem, you know, kind of taking the sheep through the same routes and journeys that probably an old shepherd that they all loved, they all knew, who once was a shepherd boy who became a king and lived in Bethlehem. His name was David. If you've ever heard of King David, David and Goliath, same guy. And this is the same area David was born, the same area that, the, that he shepherded in, his little flocks and got picked on by his brothers. And so you got to believe these guys loved David. He was probably like their patron saint in a sense in their minds. They're like, they always talk about David, the shepherd. You know, we're out in the same place that David was. Oh yeah, he was a shepherd king. And they probably joked around like, I could be the shepherd king. You know, you get these kind of guys that are like that. And they're out there with these sheep and probably one or two guys are awake watching these sheep. They may not even been theirs. It may have been for the temple because it was nearby, but no matter, they're doing their job. And suddenly out of nowhere comes this angel and he, he shows with this shining light, with this presence is so powerful that it says they were fearful. Now you're talking about shepherds. Their job is to attack bears, to attack lions, to attack creatures that are going to kill their sheep and fend them off, wolves. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to go after a wolf with a stick, but they will. And an angel shows up, you know, pretty shiny little angels. We'll get into them next week. Scaring them to death. Now, this is, again, I reiterate this. I just want to point out why fear? Well, what happens when those who are, are sinful, broken, and messed up meet the true good? It's not, you're not going to feel all cozy and comfortable when you have your first encounter with God. You're not going to feel like, oh, I, you know, God's so good to me. I feel so squishy. He's affirming. No, you know what happens? You freak out. And that's exactly what happens. They have to calm them down. They have to say, oh, hold on. Because when the sinful, which is me and you and all of us messed up human beings that are all in this room, amen? Like we're all jacked up and we meet the good, the true, the holy, whether it's an angel or God himself, we have a tendency to kind of go like, I am freaked out right now. And so they, they're calmed down by this angel because he has something to do. These shepherds who are, who are clearly sinful, messed up guys. In fact, they were pretty much known as the, uh, the sinners of the area. Next thing you know, the angel is speaking to them and said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Underline that, circle it, get that marked down. For unto you is born in this day in the city of David a Savior, again underlined, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, that's the heavenly army, showing up, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on peace among those with whom he is pleased. We'll, we'll jump into some of that next week, but here's a heavenly host. That means a military army of heaven showing up, doing their loud praise report, shouting out about Jesus coming. And the shepherds are sitting there going like, uh, what do we do? Now, I love this because there's one question probably rolling through these shepherds' minds the whole time. One question that I think we should be wondering. Why in the world are the angels talking to us? You ever ask that question? Why would God announce the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, to a bunch of shepherds out in a field nearby? Why, why, why wasn't he going to the, the rabbi in the synagogue? Why wasn't he showing up at the temple with the priests? Why, why is he not going to some of like the, the celebrities of Judaism, the Pharisees, saying, hey guys, he's here, let's go check it out. Everybody will know. He goes to the shepherds. You don't think these shepherds are standing out there going like, what, 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 what in the world are they, what? 
This is critical. Because if we don't understand who these shepherds are, we don't understand these guys are just like the blue-collar, hard-working, regular guys. I mean, change the whole picture. Instead, you're in the middle of a suburb, which is really kind of what Bethlehem was, and out in the middle of the, of the Stater brothers over here in Corona, there are guys who are taking out boxes, opening them up, and stocking shelves. In the middle of their stocking the shelves, the angels appear in the aisle to announce that Jesus has come. They didn't come to the church, they didn't go to the seminary, they didn't go over to the CBU. No, they chose the stocking aisle at Stater Brothers to announce the coming of the Messiah. Does that put it into a little bit better perspective? What's going on here is that God is doing something. And I believe the way we can best put this is that God is calling to himself regular people. He's calling to himself normal, everyday human beings like you and a little bit like me. I fall into the priestly thingy category. We'll get to me in a second. But my point is, some of us, I think, have lived a life where we think God only is going to speak and God's only going to show up to the pastor. He's only going to show up to that youth guy. Oh, he, yeah, oh, that super spiritual person over there who's praying all the time. That's where God shows up. No, 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 no. God shows up to the standard guy who's doing the, the gardening in the middle of the week, who, who's mowing the lawns. God shows up and wants to appear to that guy who, who is out there selling for a living. He's out there working, working to, to offload whatever's on those boxes and get them out there. He's in the Amazon line, you name it. God wants to reach and talk to those people. He he chooses to appear and announce that the Messiah has come. He's chosen to show up and use them. And maybe some of you, you kind of just throw yourself off. Maybe you're at home and you're like, God would never talk to me. You're the kind of guy who likes to go to work. You come home and maybe you crack a beer open at the end of the day and you're kind of used to the fact that profanity is a part of the normal English language and, and that's just kind of how it works. And you know, you know guys who will catcall a lady as they walk by. You know, it's just kind of like, that's life. God wouldn't care about me. You know, you believe in God, but he's not going to use you. That's for the pastor and the, and the holy. No, 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 no. God showed up to the shepherds. Take that in. He didn't choose to go down the street and show up to the priests. He didn't pick out the pastor in the local synagogue called a rabbi and tell him, I'm here, let your congregation know. No, he didn't go to the Pharisees, the super spiritual dudes who run all the ministries. No, he didn't go to the lawyers, the scribes who are the theologians running the seminaries, right? They, no, no, God didn't show up to those guys because they didn't need him to show up to them. They didn't need God to appear with an angel to tell them, hey, the Messiah is here. They should have already known. I mean, take a look at this. this is, we'll get to this, uh, this passage in a minute, but I'm going to fast forward to where we're going just to show you something. See, there's these, these guys that show up to the king. His name is Herod. Herod's kind of a weird guy. We'll meet him the last week. But um, Herod, this king, is trying to find out from from his leadership, like, hey, we're hearing this king of the Jews is supposed to be born. Well, where is it? And we see that when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And he assembled all the chief priests. Notice who we're talking about here. The chief priests. These are the guys who run the temple. These are the guys who, who are running the Sanhedrin, the, the political, religious political body, okay? And the scribes. These are the lawyers. These are the theologians, the guys who are teaching in the seminaries kind of stuff. And the of the people, and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, well, in Bethlehem of Judea. And then they quote the very scriptures that you're supposed, that you know that Jesus is going to be, or the, the Messiah is going to be born there. Now, here's my question. God's appearing to a field 
of shepherds announcing the Messiah is born. Why didn't these guys like, they knew, the, they knew the prophecy of Daniel. They understood where Jesus or where the Messiah would be born. Why didn't they set up like the 10 year annual like prophecy conference, right? We have prophecy conferences like, hey, let's all set up a prophecy conference. We'll hang out every night, every week until Messiah comes because we know where he's coming. Nope. They don't even go with the wise men. They don't even go on their own journey to go check it out. They don't even think about it. So what's God doing? He, he's not announcing to the people who should know already, who should have already got it dialed in. No, he goes to the regular person who's up at night working his tail off to protect some sheep, to ensure stuff's getting done, to ensure the economy is running, to make sure that their family is fed, to make sure that Bethlehem is safe. Hey, this is your security guards, your night watchmen. And the angel goes, and God goes, go to them. He shows up and says, hey, I got news. I got good news. I got great news. And this great news just isn't for you guys. Guys, it's for all the people, right? The angel told them, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Look, just like the shepherds were given good news, so were you. This is just slightly different. They were told the king of heaven, the king of the Jews is here. We get to say the king of the Jews is written with the God of Israel has come. We get a different message. The kingdom has come. They get the kingdom starting. And, and what they do is they take off running. When they hear this message, they can't help it. They know it's important. And so they get up and they start running. When the angels went away from them to, they, uh, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened. And which made the Lord, which the Lord made known to us. And they went with haste. Now that, that's a word I want you to mark. Haste. They don't wait. They don't know, maybe we should tell them tomorrow. You know, I'm sure that baby will be there later. Yeah, we got, no, no. Unlike the scribes, unlike these other guys, they went with haste. They didn't wait any time. They went. They just took off. And so they're running around, probably yelling and screaming down all the streets of Bethlehem. They went and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This is a ruckus, folks. They're opening doors of homes, looking inside every manger. People are waking up. There's a crowd probably gathering. I mean, they just walk up and go like, hey, we found it. Hey, look at that. Huh, cool. Huh. All right, let's go home. And it's like, that's not what's going on. This is a, they are excited because they've always talked about this message. And they grew up talking about David, talking about King David, the shepherd king. Some of them going like, you know, there's, there's this promise with Nathan. Nathan, the prophet, told King David that he would have a, a descendant on his line forever. And there's going to be a king one day, this Messiah who comes, and he's going to save us, save us from Rome. He's going to save us, set us free. And these shepherds probably talked about it all the time, probably joked like, I'm a shepherd king. You know, I'm a, I'm a shepherd just like David, same place. Maybe I'm him, Right. And suddenly they hear from the angels, no, he's here. There's a savior, a rescuer. And this is good news for all people. Do you believe it's good news for all people? Really? Because I don't know, I don't know sometimes. I think we think like, oh, well, people don't feel their sin, so they don't need a savior. Guys, people are longing, aren't they? Aren't they longing for some kind of purpose? Aren't they longing for peace in this world? Aren't they longing at some level to be free from their addictions and free to be able to do some of the things they long to do? Aren't they longing at some level to simply just find acceptance and love? 
And yet that's what the gospel brings. The gospel brings love. The gospel brings joy. The gospel brings a God who welcomes you in. He doesn't leave you there, but he transforms you into the greatest version of you because he knows who you are. He made you who you are. We talk about a God who sets you free. And I'm not talking about like freedom from tyrannies and freedom from governments. I'm talking about the God who sets you so free that in your soul, you could be locked in the middle of a prison of a tyrannical government, be a communist, fascist, you name it. And you're absolutely free 100% no matter what. I'm talking about the God that sets you free, whether your boss is a tyrant over you, telling you all this stuff to do, and you have to quit, and you walk into a world where you don't have income, and you suddenly are seeing that, you know what, I'm still free, I'm still provided for, because I have a father in heaven who's adopted me into his family, loves me, given me hope, that even if I die today, I have eternity in paradise. That when we say no to pleasures of this earth that sometimes are so easy to take and so harmful when we do, we can still trust that one day God will fill our cup with pleasures that are unseen by others who take the simple entertainment routes. You want to talk about a God who fulfills. This is news for everybody. It's not news just for Christians, for the Jews. This is their God we're talking about, by the way. It's for everybody. The creator God of the Jewish people, the creator God of Israel is my God. He's your God if you've known him. And what I love about this is just as the shepherds went out, we've been given a message to share too, right? We need to get that message out. And why would God tell you to get that message out? Why wouldn't he use the pastors? Why wouldn't he use the priests? Why wouldn't he use the rabbis? Because here's the thing, who reaches teachers? Teachers. Who reaches dock workers? Dock workers. Who's going to reach the carpenter? The carpenters. Who's going to reach the person on your block, but somebody probably on your block? Who are the pastors going to reach? Pastors. I'm just kidding. It feels like that sometimes. There's some pastors I'd like to reach. But look, the point is, God often brings a message to you because he knows that you are connected to the people he's seeking. And they're connected to the people there that he's seeking, that he is seeking a people to worship and know him. And he has brought you and announced the message of the gospel to you because you have what you need to share the gospel. All you have to do is share what Jesus did in you. I mean, you're, you're talking to an inadequate, insecure teenager who grew up in town. My earliest memories are being shoved to the ground by the big boys on my block at the age of four. I knew rejection upon rejection upon rejection. I had some friends only to find out those friends by the time I was a junior felt like I was the most annoying, aggravating person in their group. I'm like, oh, they were putting up with me. Yes, I am annoying and I was aggravating. Trust me. Just ask my sisters. And what happens was a desperate little soul sought somebody to love me, somebody to accept me beyond my mom and my dad and my aunts. Yeah, sure, I found my way into the party scene, and yeah, people liked me. My friends used me until I finally found out, hey, one group of friends was using me to get connected to another group of friends to sell the drugs to them. And Suddenly, when that was revealed, I didn't have any friends. I'm talking friends from kindergarten all the way through my junior year of high school and suddenly I'm standing alone. When you're in that kind of a crisis, you will go anywhere. And yet in the midst of that, in the middle of the journey and the desperation, I did meet someone, his name was Jesus, and he did. He walked into my life and he literally said, I see what you are, I know who you are, and no, I'm not gonna shove you away. And gosh, he had every reason to. 
If you don't think God has a reason to shove you away, you haven't dealt with your sin. But he doesn't. He accepts you. He brings you in. He brought me in. He gave, washed me up. He cleansed my sins. He brought me into a position. Yeah, maybe I'm not done with all my insecurities yet. I'm a pastor. None of us are. And that's why we stand for the stage. Listen to me. No, I'm just kidding. They, slightly. But the point is that what Christ did is he brought me into a place of security where, yeah, you know what? I'm free. I'm growing in that freedom. He's showing me things every day. And all I have to do is share that to start with. Because the same Jesus who met me is the same Jesus who wants to meet all of you and all of your friends. Because he announced it not to the rabbis, he announced it to the everyday person. That's you, that's me. Don't knock yourself and don't draw lines. And how many people, I was at a wedding just last night, I'm sitting there and I'm fighting in my mind, thinking, man, these people are so far from Jesus. These people are so far from Jesus. Oh my gosh. And I'm having to remind myself, but that doesn't mean there's a line there that they can't receive him. How many people have we drawn a line and said, well, they'll never receive Jesus. So we've never tried. Shame on us. We need to repent of drawing any lines about the gospel because the power of the gospel can save Everybody, if we would just simply get it to them, it has that power. And it's waiting on us to be like these shepherds who are ready to run out there and deliver this message. Why are these extras in the middle of this story? Why are these stars of Christmas there? Because they're to remind us that God calls regular people to do great things through simple announcements. And that means you. We're not done with the extras. There's some more extras. Let, let's meet another group of interesting extras. They're actually found in Matthew chapter 2. So flip over to Matthew. That's gonna, you're going to go to your left if you're new with your Bible. And you'll find Matthew is in front of Mark. And you'll hit there. And so Matthew chapter 2 has another group of interesting guys here. And it starts off this way. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the Great the king, behold, wise men. Hey, we know the wise men. Everybody know the wise men, right? Let's all sing it together. We three kings of Orient. The three wise men. No, 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 the wise men. No, not those wise guys. We're talking about the wise men. But here's the problem. That's a bad translation. In fact, what's crazy about these extras is they got like a Quinlan Voss kind of level transformation. Three wise men suddenly become we three kings, right? And you met the kings. What's crazy is we have old manuscripts trying to name the kings. You've got Belshazzar, uh, Gaspar, and Melchior. You're like, hey, the names of the kings. No, they're not kings. They're not even wise men, guys. I mean, if you want to label these guys, they're Persians or Astrian astrologers. These guys aren't astrologers in the sense like they like looking at stars and astronomy. You know, they're astrologers. They're not opening their newspaper to read the horoscope. They're writing it, okay? This is their job, to be soothsayers for the leadership in Persia, to stare at the skies and will tell us the secrets of the universe and why, how, how people are born. I mean, these guys are what we would all be like, that's crazy. They would know their sign and they would love to tell you about it, right? This is that kind of level of astrology we're looking at. And they're having something happen to them. Let's pick it up. Back up, verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, or magi, that's what they're called, these, these soothsayers, are men from the east, came to Jerusalem. And look, look what they're saying. 
Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Uh, Say what? Like they literally are reading the stars and think God talked to them. All right, so these guys, we, by the way, you shouldn't go reading astrological signs. That's just, as Christians, we'd be like, that, that's just not cool. Most ancient Jews are kind of like, well, that's, you're not getting it right. Like, that's not exactly right. There are ways to understand the stars, but hold on a minute. We're not going to get into the predictive weird stuff here, guys. Come on, calm down. And yet these guys swear they have information. So they talk to Herod. Herod says, wait, hey, where's, where's, this, uh, where's this king of the Jews going to be born? They find out, oh yeah, it's in Bethlehem. Verse six, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod hears, hey, it's going to be in Bethlehem. So he picks it up. Then Herod summoned the wise men, these magi, these soothsayers secretly and and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So this is much later. It's likely one to two years after Jesus has been born, which again, part of the legend is they should all be there at the same time. We're not quite sure that's how this works. In fact, it's very likely they, that these magi soothsayers show up later after Mary and Joseph are still living in the ancestral home at some level or rented something because they can't go back to Nazareth. One, Mary had to heal a little bit. Two, there's a lot of shame. Three, maybe she got pregnant again right shortly after. So there's, there's a lot of reasons they probably stuck around in Nazareth. It's close to the temple. They wanted to raise Jesus near the temple, or sorry, in Bethlehem. They wanted to raise him there. There's lots of reasoning there. But Herod is now listening and he's secretly ascertaining when the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem. He goes, okay, go search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. We'll deal with that sentence later in the series, but he's a liar. And listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them and it came to rest over the place where the child was. What in the world is going on here? Like there have been people, and you can talk about stars all the time. Oh, there was this at this time, in this period, there was this big old uh, quasar that exploded or whatever on the sky. You know, the, there's people right now that the general gist is that there is a likelihood that Jupiter, which was called the king's star or the, the great king's star because it would move, was lining up with another star called the king's star. We know it as Regulus. It's found in the constellation of Leo. Now, what's interesting is this is not the first time we've ever met the Magi. The Magi actually show up in the book of Daniel. Now, if you know anything about Daniel, Daniel was a man who heard visions from God. He was well esteemed in Babylon and Persia and worked with the Magi. It's very likely he had to interpret things like this and and focus it in on the true and proper God. And so what's interesting is who's the lion of Judah, right? Jesus. Well, that's how we think of him. But here's this lion that's often interpreted in Jewish scriptures as the house of Judah. And up comes the king star. And in 3 BC, lines exactly up with Regulus, the king, the other king star to make a bright giant star. And people go, that might be it. It might be it. We don't know. Could be something else. All I'm telling you is these astrologers were looking at the stars and it told them something. They had a spiritual experience. And God didn't whack them for their spiritual experience. What it seems like he was doing was he was going, hey, guys, you think that's cool? Come check this out. What are we to get from these odd, weird magi you probably wouldn't even want in your home at Christmas? Except that God 
calls to himself the spiritually curious. Have we stopped to ponder that perhaps maybe God is reaching out to those around us who talk about new age and signs and weird stuff, that what maybe is going on is God is trying to capture their attention to draw them in and do something. What if you're, maybe you're here today and you're here because, hey, you had a dream and a vision and you're like, I got to figure out what's going on. Maybe you got a drug trip last night or the other day and you met a spiritual being and you're like, I got to figure this out. And you've shown up, you're watching online or you're outside or whatever. Maybe you've had some kind of spiritual experience that God is using not to leave you out there in the cold, but to call you in. Because the Magi had an experience. And what's interesting about them is that they didn't just sit back and go, okay, there's a king that'll be born in, um, in Jerusalem. Publish that in the Jerusalem news press. Okay, we're good. No, they went, what in the world is this? And they took a likely year-long journey from somewhere in the Middle East, roughly somewhere we would know as Iraq, Iran area, and marched all the way over all the desert and down into Jerusalem to find out what in the world is going on. To put the dots together somehow so they could grasp who this king is. You're on a spiritual journey. If you're in the curious mode, don't settle. Like I've met a lot of people who settle and they settle for like, oh, I know the Christ consciousness, you know, and it's like, it's so cool. And like God's everything and everybody. Don't buy that stuff. It's the beginning of a journey. You may be experiencing something, but if everything is spiritual and everything is the same, then I'm a piece of cheese and you shouldn't be listening to me. And this piece of cheese is also on the moon. Because we're all the same. It's all one thing, right? So it's all, no, no, guys, don't buy that garbage. Keep searching. Take the journey. Don't settle. You say, well, you settled. Yes, but let me explain something. When I came to the end of the journey and I found Jesus, he opened doors to questions that were far deeper than who is God and what's he up to. That's a basic life question you need to answer. And if you're going to wrestle with the reality of the spiritual, there is one giant you must encounter, and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about the secular Jesus who loves people and hugs everybody, and he's your biggest Santa Claus, you know, with just like Middle Eastern clothing. No, I'm not talking about that Jesus. I'm talking about the risen Jesus who's transformed lives for 2,000 years, who transformed society with his teachings, with his ways, with his understandings and his truth. I mean, you have to reckon with this man. And I want to encourage you not to cast him off like he's some kind of silly figure like most fools do in our world. It's foolish to just throw Einstein on and go, like, I don't really care. It's like, it's a good idea to kind of check out what smart people think. But when a man stands at the center of time in which AD and BC or CE and BCE sits, you probably should examine him. And when you do, I think what you're going to discover is something that you never expected. You're going to discover that this journey is going to lead you somewhere. Now, we have a way of helping you. We're not afraid of the questions. We want to encourage you. We actually invite you to try jumping into something we call Starting Point. It is a, it's, it's a, it's a curriculum-based conversation group that allows you to kind of engage your questions. We don't want you to ignore your questions. We want you to dive into your questions. We don't want you to walk away. We want you to grab hold and join the journey. Because look, there is a group of people who settled. Notice how they settled. 
And so Herod grabs them and assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written, and they quote the scriptures. You know who settled? The priests and the rabbis and all of those of Judaism before Jesus. They should have met Jesus. They should have gone to his birth, but they were settled that they knew enough without actually following the journey. I don't think that applies. I'm not going to apply that to Christians People love to pick on Christians with the, with the ancient Jewish people. No, these are ancient Jewish people. Now, you may be here thinking you've found the journey because you came to church, but that's not Jesus. The church isn't Jesus. What you've just come to is something else. The same thing these magi come to. Check it out. We continue their story real quick. They get up, and in Matthew chapter 2, they, they follow this star. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house that the star led them to, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Here's where the spiritual journey led. It led to the family of Jesus. I want you to pause for a second. The church is the family of Jesus. And maybe this week, church, you ran into some people who were spiritually curious Did you ever think that maybe their journey led them to you because you're the family of Jesus, just as Mary was the family of Jesus, just as they were to enter the house and rejoice because their journey had come to the conclusion, you are one step away from meeting Jesus, but we need to introduce them. Yeah, they may be talking about all kinds of interesting, weird spiritual drugs slash weird trip out there. Great, draw them and lead them to Jesus. You're the family of Jesus, for goodness sakes. What if God was using those very things to draw them to himself as he used the Magi? He uses astrology to bring these Persians hundreds of miles to bring them to Jesus. And if you're on that journey, again, I encourage you, keep going on that journey. Because God's not far. Notice how he used to announce it in the Old Testament. This is the God of the Old Testament. I'm ready. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that wasn't called by my name. Yes, this is the Jewish God. This is Israel's God. And he's shouting and announcing to all of us crazy pagan people who don't have Jewish blood to come. He's able to be found if you seek him. He is basically shouting, find me. Another scripture says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's a promise. Don't settle on the journey. Seek him. If the living God of the Jewish people exists and Jesus Christ is their king and God incarnate, you seek him. Answer the questions. Don't stop. Keep going. Ask him to reveal himself to you. And I believe he will. Because I'm not talking about an idea. I'm talking about a God who exists and reveals himself to people. Don't settle. Finish the journey. And when you come to the end of the journey, here's what happens. They walk in. They meet Mary. They see baby Jesus. They see probably kiddo Jesus at this point. And they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. When you come to the end of the journey and you meet Jesus, I really believe the only answer you'll find is when you find him, you'll worship him. And what do I mean by worship him? That you're going to come in here and just sing songs? No. When you worship somebody, what happens is everything orients differently in your life. You start to realize that there is a throne in your life and that you sit on it. 
that you actually make the commands, make the rules, and you take. It's self-taking reality where life's about your reality, how you rule it, and where you want to go. And when that happens, just things fall apart. People don't like you. You feel absolutely miserable inside. You don't admit it to anybody because you're on the throne. You don't want to look like you're bad at running your own life. But dude, we all hide this junk. Amen? And then what happens is Jesus shows them and says, that's actually my throne. Do you want to change places? And when you meet Jesus, you allow Jesus to take that throne. You allow him to lead your life. That means his thoughts become your thoughts. That means his ideas about money become your ideas about money. His ideas about sexuality become your ideas about sexuality. His ideas about how you should care about people become his ideas about how, or your ideas about how you should care about people. When you look at his concept of justice, it becomes your concept of justice because he's ruling. His ideas are what we follow. That's worship. And when you do that, here's what happens. You're going to come to a point where you have to make this decision. You're going to have to determine whether Jesus is ruling in your heart or you are. And when you do that, if you choose to allow yourself to continue to rule, you will receive what you deserve as the ruler that you are. And in your own heart, you can determine what those things are. I don't need to tell you. I think the Spirit of God can tell you. But if you let Jesus rule, you will get what Jesus deserves because he's ruling your heart. And what he deserves is justice, What he deserves is eternity. What he deserves is a kingdom. And praise and all that comes flowing to those who have him seated on their heart. It's it's no wonder that Isaiah, when he finally tells everybody, hey, if you want to really come to him, seek the Lord while he can be found. He's calling to you today. He's telling, come on and, and call upon him while he's near. Ask him to show himself to you. And then look, it says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. If that, if that causes you like be ticked, I like just called you wicked. Look, I'm not calling you wicked. God's calling us wicked. We are all messed up, broken sinners who do horrible, evil things to our sisters and our brothers at home when we were little. Let's just start there. Okay, right? It just grows. It just gets more sophisticated. And you know it, I know it. Let's stop hiding and pretending. So don't be shocked when God calls us wicked. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. We got to turn from those things and turn to Jesus. Return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. To our God, for he will abundantly pardon. You want to be forgiven of the junk that you've done? You want to be set free from the habits and the sins of your life? Then you turn away from those things and turn to Jesus, who on the cross literally paid for this junk died and bore it, said, here, I want to sit on your throne. Let me do that, and I will give you forgiveness. I will pay off your debts. I will bring you into a peace with God. And it says, because my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, my thoughts higher than yours. And it's no wonder then that what he does is he offers you not to shut you down and ignore you, but to introduce you to his thoughts, which make you right. All the wonder of who you are. All the skill, all the, all the interesting intricacies of your personality, God knows. And he just asks you, just bring it out of your storehouse. That's what these magi do. They literally just, they go, we, this is him. They just start bringing out of their storehouse all their stuff, their riches, their wealth. They bow down. In our case, you don't have, we may not have riches and wealth to throw at Jesus' feet, but you have skill. You have a personality, you have an intellect, you have an education. 
Some of you guys have the ability to care and have compassion like nobody's business, and we need to allow Jesus to work on those things to shape us. And finally, that, that's the value of what comes in, but let me just put it this way. For the church, let's us stop building barriers for people to find him. Uh, yeah, that means, guys, there are people... I mean, would you be okay if somebody who, you know, walks in our church thinks their sign told them something or other? Would you be okay if people were walking in here and right now they, they don't really know Jesus, but they're on a journey to find him because you introduced them to God's family? Are we willing to facilitate and lead them to the end of their journeys? Instead of go like, you're weird. I'm glad you're at dinner with me, but... We don't have to do this again, right? Why would we build barriers? God's calling even those on a spiritual journey to himself. He's calling regular people to introduce him to regular people. My friends, we get such an opportunity. These extras are here, not because they're, they need to be turned into legends, but because they represent me and you. We're the shepherds. We were the magi, or you might be but we know shepherds and we know magi and this is the season he says invite them bring them to the manger bring them to my son that they may find him and worship him amen what an opportunity we've got all kinds of great opportunities this Christmas at all kinds of churches not even here if something's going to work better somewhere else go there it's about Jesus, folks, not about Olive Branch. It's about Christmas and bringing people to know him. Amen? Let's be wise. Let's be part of the journey. Because there are tons and tons of people God is calling to himself. They just don't know it yet. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I want to lift up anyone here watching or in this room that may be on a spiritual journey. And God, they are... Um, I, I pray that you would lead them to seek you out, to be curious about you, to wonder about you. Would you guide them and reveal yourself to them, please? Would they have the questions and be willing to come connect and ask? God, for us who are a part of your family, would you just help us to drop pretense and fear and become a people who are ready just to, like the shepherds, run around and share with everybody what you've told us and invite anybody on a journey to come meet the family? Father, what a gracious God you are. That you would reach us even when we were so far from you that we would know you. This is such a cool thing that we get to do. Help us to enjoy it this year. Thank you for the Magi. Thank you for the shepherds and that innkeeper guy. We ask that you'd bless us as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, we have so much going on uh, this weekend, uh, this weekend coming with Christmas. If you are wondering what it is that's going on around Olive Branch, you can find us online at obcc.church forward slash Christmas, or just go to our church website and there's a, a button there that says uh, Christmas events. Um, a couple of things just to highlight, uh, we have the... Women, women's Engraved Simply Christmas is coming on Friday the 10th at 6 p.m. 
to, set, to sign up for that, you can go to our website, RSVP for it. It's $15. And uh, invite some of your neighbors or friends to come out. Uh, Dona Jones is going to be speaking. She is an uh, international speaker and uh, just a, a really engaging speaker. So I would encourage you ladies to come out and join us for that. And then the following day, uh, at, out at Dos Lagos on the 11th, uh, starting at 5.30, we have a Christmas concert uh, that we're hosting out there at the amphitheater. So come out and join us uh, for that. And then on Sunday, the 12th, our youth ministry is hosting a, a child care event. And so if you want to go shopping, you can drop off your kids, but make sure you RSVP first. Uh, shopping, or if you just want to have a date night with your spouse, uh, go out for a couple hours and drop off your kids here, and uh, we'd be happy to be able to help you out with that. And so there's a lot of Christmas things going on at Olive Ranch. Again, go to obcc.church forward slash Christmas. Lastly, if you are new here with us, there's a card in the seat back just in front of you uh, that says I'm new. Uh, would you take that, fill it out, just allows us to engage you, to let you know what's going on around here, it allows us to get to know you, you to get to know the church, and actually we have a meet the family going on out in the courtyard, so if you fill out that card, bring it out to us, we have a gift for you, and so would you join me in praying over you, and then we'll take off for the day. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this Christmas season and all that you do for us, Lord. Uh, God, we, I pray your blessing over this church, Lord. Lord, I pray that the message that has been spoken, Lord, that it wouldn't have fallen on deaf ears, Lord, but that you would soften our hearts, our minds, to what you would have us do, Lord. So God, we pray your blessing over today, and God, we pray that we're, we're, you give us wisdom to walk in the good works that you've gone before us and prepared for us to do. Lord, we pray all of this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a good one. We'll see you next week.